This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my fabulous co-host, Brie Tucker. Well, hello, hello, everybody. How are you? <laughs> I, have to, I have to get some more adjectives. I don't know. I, my adjective game is off. Hey, my energy game is off. <laughs> we just had lunch and I'm like <laughs> in that post-lunch coma. If you're listening to this in the morning, wah, maybe, wah. maybe you can identify with knowing what the post-lunch coma is, but not experiencing it yet. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. We're like, <laughs> point taken. Oh, point taken. Yes, yes. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, today we are talking with Stephanie Wolf, who I, first of all, I've been following Stephanie for quite a while, even before she had her daughter, Addie, and Addie's now six and a half. Um, she is a mom and her daughter, Addie, has a disability, uh, which puts her in a wheelchair and she has a ventilator and isn't able to uh, communicate through verbal means of communication. Right. Talking to her about Addie kind of reminded me of my time working in early intervention. And it is amazing the assistive technology that they have these days. Mm -hmm. She was talking about how Addie uses a communication board yes. that follows her eye movement. I remember when we got our first one at uh, UCPA Historic at United Cerebral Palsy, and we got our first one, and all of us in the office were so excited for that technology. Mm -hmm. It seemed so amazing, so cutting edge, and Good golly jeepers, that had to have been at least 10 years ago now. And it has improved so much since then. Oh my then, gosh. But no, the things that they can do, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah, and something that always drew me to Stephanie, uh, which is why like one of the reasons I love this podcast is I just get to reach out to people and be like, hey, you want to be on a podcast? But really, it's like, hey, you want to be my friend? I want to talk to you. <laughs> hey, it's you like seem really awesome. <laughs> yeah, you seem really awesome. And Stephanie was so she much was so fun. <laughs> she was like, yeah, sure. And I, I haven't been able to stop talking either about the book, her book. 
book is amazing. Her as book, well. Authentically Addie, it's a kid's story uh, to help kids uh, normalize the conversation around disabilities. But there's also a lot of teaching elements. Stephanie's a former teacher, and so she'll tell us more about that in the interview. But if you don't know about Stephanie, she is uh, the lifestyle blogger and social media content creator of the Vintage Modern Wife. And we hope that you enjoy our interview with her. Dinner time always causes me so much stress. And if it causes you a lot of stress and like you've tried everything, like you've tried meal planning, you've tried those like deliveries in a box where you get it and you have all these great intentions, but then like some people in your family don't like the box or some people don't like the meals and the ingredients spoil. And it's just like a whole fiasco. Uh, so I went through this as well. And then I started using eat at home meal plans a few years ago and it was a game changer. It's run. It's a female-owned business run by Tiffany King, and she gives you a plan for the week based on how you like to eat. There's like four plans you can choose from, and they're all included. You don't have to pick one on sign up. And the recipes are so simple. Like I've even found a few of our family favorites. Like we eat free. We have this Instapot chicken curry. It's delicious. Mm. And sheet pan meals. Like, have you done sheet pan meals? Oh, I love sheet pan meals. I had never heard about sheet pan meals before oh I gosh. started this. <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't hear about them until I started doing my whole 30 stuff. So, but I love them. They are so easy. They're so easy. And oh my gosh, she has some recipes for pies. Like, I never even made pie because I'm like, that is so complicated. Uh-uh. She has oh, an, yeah. Pie totally intimidates me. She has an easy dough recipe that's so simple and so, so delicious. So if you have all the dinner stress right now and you hate meal planning, go Go sign up at Eat at Home Meal Plans. Uh, you can sign up at noguiltmom.com backslash eat dash at dash home. And you can also get 25% off when you use our discount code noguiltmom, all one word. And with that, let's get on with the show. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible, and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Hi, Stephanie. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I like I as I was talking to you before we started recording, like I've been following you and your story for years. So like it's a little bit of a fangirl moment seeing you and being able to like talk to you through the screen. So well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Can you uh, tell our listeners a little bit about you and your story? Sure. Um, I am a former teacher who is now a mom to a girl with several disabilities. Um, I also have a crazy near three-year-old toddler boy. So life's pretty busy around here, but we do as much as we can. We like it crazy a little bit. So I'm also a children's author and we just live our fun life without any limits of anything in Texas and just enjoy doing that. That is awesome. And your daughter, Addie, she's sick right now? Yes. Six. So can you um, start from like kind of the beginning with Addie and take us like through your journey? Sure. So in 2014, we found that we were pregnant with our daughter, Addie, our first child, and was 
probably that spring, we had an anatomy scan done at 20 weeks. Um, As a new mom, I had no idea what anatomy scan really was. I literally thought it was just to find out the gender of the baby. Like I just had no clue. And so my husband and I went in and we had like our boy name and our girl name. And we were like, this is the moment, you know, this is the moment. And when they did the anatomy scan, they said, it's a girl. And we just cried, you know, happy tears. And we had her name. We said Addison Olivia. And we were so excited. And then shortly, like just two minutes later or so, the ultrasound tech got really quiet. And at that moment, we could sense that something was wrong. And she said, I'm going to need you to speak with a doctor after the scan. And we were like, what's going on? And the techs aren't really allowed to say anything. So then we just this happy moment was replaced by this like, overwhelming sense of something being wrong. And so we went to the doctor in the next room afterward. And he basically said that our daughter had what was called a sacrococcygeal teratoma. And that's a mouthful. But basically what it meant was that she had a tumor on her bottom. And so we were sent over the course of the pregnancy to various doctors to kind of find out more information. And we had genetic testing done. And and ultimately, we learned, yes, she has this tumor and uh, that she would have some genetic differences, but they couldn't really tell us what they would be because genetics are still, they're still not known as far as like what all can be done. They have ideas, but ultimately it just depends on how life presents itself. So we went into her birth not knowing really what was going to happen other than she was going to be in the NICU and she would need surgery after she was born. Well, when Addie was born, she ended up having other issues as well. She had a floppy airway. We call that bronchomalacia. And so she had to be intubated and put on a ventilator because she couldn't breathe. She also had a couple other issues as well. One of the things that makes her unique is her hydrocephalus. She has basically fluid around her brain and it makes her head a little bit bigger. She has epilepsy as well. And so we were in the hospital, turns out for the first year, pretty much of her her life. We're in the NICU for six months, went home for six days. And in that time, Addie went through respiratory failure and was having all kinds of issues. So then we went straight to the PICU, pediatric intensive care unit, and stayed there for another four months. So we were there a little over 10 months. She came home right before her first birthday. And ever since... She has just been, I'm looking at her right now, but she, she has just been this roller coaster of a girl. She just keeps us on our toes, but she's six now. She is pretty good at staying out of the hospital most of the time. We maybe have an admission once a year or so. She does all kinds of amazing things like play soccer. She cheer, does cheerleading. She's in Girl Scout. So, uh, Girl Scout this, leader, former Girl Scout leader. Oh, so I was like, Girl Scout. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. She, she just finished her cookie season. So she does so much. Uh, we had doctors say like, she's never going to walk. We had doctors say she was never going to leave the hospital. So for Addie to be six and a half now and doing all of these things, it's quite remarkable. And I'm so proud of her. And she just leads life without limits. That's kind of like our phrase, but it's just, she doesn't let anything stop her and pretty amazing. 
I, I love that. And like, just like the story that you have and the stamina and the determination that you as parents and now that you see an Addie, like her, her determination and her perseverance. And just like, I, I love that her, she can't let anything stop her, which is such a like a lesson to take for everybody. Absolutely. So the gift you guys are bestowing for her and for your whole community and just like, look, like you just said, life without limits. It, there are challenges that, that we all face in our lives, but it's all about how we handle them and what we can do going forward. It doesn't mean that you can make her disabilities go away, but you can certainly find ways for her to live the fullest life possible with, with all the opportunities that are available. Absolutely. I think there's this mentality when you have a kid with disabilities, it's like, oh, woe is me or, oh, you poor things or that kind of mentality. And honestly, being home and sulking about it gets you nowhere in life. And so our goal as a family is to really try and put a more positive spin on what God has given us because is it challenging? Yes. But is she like the biggest blessing in our lives? Absolutely. And honestly, she's changed me and my husband Matthew's lives for the better in so many ways. We are such different people than we were before we had her. And in a good way, you know, she's just taught us so much. And so I can't be upset about that whatsoever. And then to see the impact that Addie is having on so many other people as well, that to me is just truly incredible. And so I don't want to say that we have a rose colored glasses filter on our lives. We, we certainly don't. We know the magnitude. We know the realities that we're living in. But as best as we can, we really try to have a positive attitude about everything because being disabled isn't necessarily a bad thing for anyone. It is challenging. That's okay. We all have challenges as people in general. And um, how you get through them truly shows a mark of your character. It does. It does. I'm curious, how are like, what ways do you think that you and your husband have changed throughout the whole experience in a positive way? I Shout out to Clarendon for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Hey guys, Brie here. And let me tell you, April is a killer time of the year for me because it is crazy allergy season. I swear, everything that is in bloom looks fantastic and beautiful, but it makes it so I can't breathe. I am literally coughing, sneezing, rubbing my nose. I look like Rudolph half of the spring. It's terrible. But luckily for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies like I do, we live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can finally breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine is the best decongestant available. It relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I absolutely love it. It is the only allergy medicine that works for me. So if you're ready to live life as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just one quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. 
Hey all, it is Joanne. And Brie here. And we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. Definitely think that we have become more understanding of just various situations. I think our lives were very sheltered and that's okay, but um, it's definitely given us a broader perspective. And so we can understand other people's circumstances better. I think we're kinder, more compassionate. And I don't say that to like toot our own horns or anything, but really like I truly feel like I'm just more understanding and compassion of others and their differences that maybe I had not known before because I wasn't exposed to it or educated about that. I think that is so key, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, because a lot of it does have to do with the exposure and and what you've been around to be able to broaden your, your horizons and be able to see what what other positions people may be in. Absolutely. So I know like as moms, like all moms have stressors, but what are some of the stresses and challenges that are really like particular to having a child with special needs? Well, it really depends on what disabilities each child has. For our family, it's come in a few different ways. And I can tell you, we just were presented with something new like yesterday. As of yesterday, my husband went to work in his office for the very first time. He's been at home for, well, he's worked from home for like the past five years. And he just got a new job in the fall. And as soon as he started, they said, well, you're going to work from home because we're in a pandemic. And when that happened, we said, oh, we have all this time. And then they suddenly said on Friday, just kidding, we're ready for you to come back to the office. And that presented a whole thing for me because now I have to think of anytime I need to go somewhere, I can't just leave Addie with him. I have to take her with me. And when you have a wheelchair, when you have a ventilator, when you have a suction machine, when you have a toddler to, you know, everybody to get in the car. It's a lot. It's a lot. And so figuring out logistics. Another thing we found is the amount of people that do not have accessible vehicles for their children with wheelchairs. That to me, I found has been a huge problem. And it was a problem for us that we recently faced. And thankfully, now we do have an accessible vehicle. But We have so many friends whose kids are in wheelchairs and they just don't have the proper vehicles to take them places without having to lift a 75, 120 pound kid or whatever, you know, in the car. And 
it's shocking to me how there aren't as many resources as I thought for people in wheelchairs for things like that, like vehicles. So it, I'm just curious on that now. Is it because it's a difficult vehicle to find, the cost? Uh, what's what's going on with that? Yes. So they're really expensive. A brand new wheelchair accessible vehicle can run you about $75,000. Oh my wow. goodness. Yes, because they are modified. And yeah, yeah. so many people find them used, which is great. But then it's do these families even have that kind of money because many expenses are medical expenses and things like that. And so you'll find that a lot of families that have someone with a disability maybe don't have as big of a savings as they need or have savings at all, to be honest. And so that yeah, definitely poses a problem. Yeah, I could yeah. I could see I've never even considered that myself because I think not having to deal with the situation day by day, you think that people get the help they need and they don't get the help they need. Right. And there are grants available and things like that. But especially living in the times that we're in right now, um, many grants have been suspended or postponed because of all of this. So it makes it harder for those families that are in need as well. Right. So you wrote a book, a children's book. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So I wrote a book. Yes, it is called Authentically Addie. And it is just a little piece of my heart. Um, It's based off of Addie, my daughter. And it is a fun children's book that helps families and teachers and anyone else who wants it just to start having conversations about normalizing disabilities. So the premise is that um, my daughter Addie goes to a zoo that rehabs various animals with disabilities. And she and a zookeeper, Kiara, and our little friend Winky, who is Addie's sidekick, she's so fun. They go through the zoo and they meet different animals and each animal has a different disability. And Addie and Kiara bring a tool to each animal that helps them. And so it's really great. We feature a wide variety of animals and we feature a wide variety of disabilities. So you'll see things from vitiligo to having autism. You'll see, oh goodness, limb differences. You'll see heart surgery, cleft lips, all kinds of different things. And so it's a really fun range and a great way to teach about a lot of disabilities in one book, as well as it has a STEM component. We really talk about each animal, they're not just like a bear. It's an Andean bear. And we, <laughs> and, and we talk about, you know, what makes each animal in real life unique. And so that's kind of fun. There's there's lots of different things to pull from the book. You can learn the STEM component. You can learn about disabilities. You can learn about finding Winky in the different pages. So it's fun for all ages. We say it's a children's book, but honestly, it's a people book. Yeah, it's good like, for I anybody. I yeah. love that. I love it yeah. too. And like the reason I, I wanted to reach out to you was because of your mission about this normalizing the conversation about disability. So I got to be honest, like I am one of those people who feels very uncomfortable talking about disabilities because I'm always afraid that I'm going to offend someone. And I think that's a lot of parents because you don't know if you are using like the right terms and terminology. And I know that you have some tips for us and you address that in there. So I kind of want to get into those. So I don't like spoil the, your great. Sure. Well, and I just want to add really quickly, like 
please don't feel like you're going to be offensive as the whole thing is if you ask nicely, if you ask with your heart, if you're asking with just the pureness, yeah, there's, there's so much to be said about that than maybe asking in an ugly way. So, or, you know, I, I'm not sure how to word that better, but there's so much to be said for the purity of heart and your intention and just go with that for now. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's the key right there. The intention I of think, the question. Yes. It's the intention. Yeah. And it's also like realizing kind of the programming as well, because as kids, we are always taught like, oh, you shouldn't stare. You shouldn't ask questions, like not like avert your eyes, but like don't draw attention to it. And that's what we're told over and over and over again. Right. And that is not the best way to communicate nor is it the best way to really appreciate other people and learn about people's situations. Absolutely. So what are your tips for parents to kind of get over this hurdle and normalize disabilities? Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence Whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. So some of the things that I have found through being in this side of parenting in the disability community is really educating yourself and getting rid of assumptions, grabbing diverse books to help conversations like Authentically Addie, or there's so many other books though. There's so many other books. That is such a helpful tool. Also diversify your social media feed. 
that to me is huge. I have started to, over the past few years, follow a wide range of individuals that have various disabilities. Some are in wheelchairs, some have limb differences, some have trachs. I'm following one person currently who is in a wheelchair, is on a a ventilator with a trach, and she's pregnant. I mean, it's so amazing. Yeah, it's so amazing. And so when you start to diversify your feed, you're educating yourself that way. You're learning how a disabled person wants to be treated and what they want normalized and you're hearing straight from the source. And so to me, grabbing books about that, following people on social media is so, so important. I I think that's amazing advice because on social media, like the way the algorithms work, we get more of what we click on. And if we don't be intentional about who we follow, it's just going to delete that from our feed. It just right. continues the, the sheltered, the sheltered view yeah. that we have. Absolutely. Yeah. Diversify your feed. It's really important. And I think when you do, you'll find that your just world opens up so much more. It's really great. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. I'm probably going to need to get some accounts to follow from you. I will absolutely share those with you. We could put those in the show notes. Yeah. What's your second tip for normalizing this conversation? So to help normalize conversations, just ask questions, ask questions instead of staring or pointing. And when you ask questions, ask the person with the disability. Just because someone's in a wheelchair doesn't mean that they can't speak or have thoughts for themselves or different things. I I find adults with disabilities say that people will come and talk to them and they infantilize, you know, and they speak to them like they're, oh, like you're a little kid, you know, and they're adults in wheelchairs. But It's okay to ask questions, talk to the person that has a disability, don't write them off. And if they are unable to speak, the family member or caregiver that is with them will happily take over and kind of help guide conversation. And when you're asking questions, just ask nicely. I can't emphasize that enough. When you ask questions like, well, what's wrong with her? Or, you know, things like that, it really puts people off. So think about what you're going to say. It doesn't have to be anything eloquent, you know, but think about the tone that you set and and then go ask, find a commonality. I like to tell parents, especially when they are trying to guide conversations about disabilities with their kids and their kids are out in public, right? Every parent's like nightmare almost is like, oh my gosh, my kid's going to say something so rude or whatever. We get it. As parents, we understand that kids have no filter, right? They just don't. And that's okay because they're little. It's what your response is that is the game changer. So when you hush your child, when you tell them don't stare, when you do that, you're teaching them that this is bad. This is bad. And they're different and they're weird. But when you say, hey, that little girl has a hot pink wheelchair. Isn't that so cool? Wow, that's really bright and fun. Or, oh, look, she's got a Jojo Siwa bow on just like you do. That is neat. Let's go say hi. When you do things like that and you are making a commonality, you're taking the fear away and then your kid can ask their question and it's okay. You know, it it helps break the ice a little bit, I think, for everyone. And you just kind of can ask your question and go about your day nicely. As long as you're asking nicely, it goes so, so far. 
I think you said such an important thing there about breaking the ice because you have these questions, but you know that it's kind of almost off-putting in a way just to come up and ask the question, but to find that commonality and to get excited about that, I think is a great first step that families can take. Absolutely. And I love it because honestly, if you think about it as parents, we do that all the time. We do it all the time. Like when the kids are at the playground and you've got a a kiddo that's not the kid that's going to run right out to everybody, you'll be like, hey, look at that kid. Looks like they're playing on the slide. You love the slide. Why don't you go on over there? So like, again, finding the commonality. They, they naturally look for that as it is. But everybody gets in their own heads way too much. Yeah. And then we just forget like common human behavior. Yes. And I think it's because, like you said earlier, you don't want to offend. And you do more offending by hushing or, you know, trying not to stare or things like that than you do than just being a person, right? And treating someone like they're just a person. They're just a person. They don't care about their disabilities. They don't want you to see their disabilities. They just want to have you see them as a person. And I know Addie feels that way and so many others. And that I think is the true mark. Like just treat them like a person, person first, and don't even worry about the disability. Just be a kind human. That's excellent. And then your third tip, which I, I loved hearing this tip from you because I'm going to start using it. Yeah. Teach your children. Everyone has differences. And the word disability isn't bad, right? We, uh, we talked about this a little bit before, but the more that I follow people in the disabled community and the more that I learn from them, and I'm really, I work so hard to learn and I, I can learn more every single day and we can all learn more every single day. But the word disability isn't bad. And it has become ableist of us in without even realizing when we use words like special needs or differently abled, what you're telling people inadvertently is that the word disabled is bad. And it's not, it's not bad. My child is disabled. That's what she is. And that's okay. That is okay. And there's nothing wrong with being disabled. It's a part of her. And it's a part of everyone that's in that community. So to try and use other words without you realizing it, you're saying that that is a bad word. So I think if we teach our children about differences in everyone, and there are differences that you can see, and there are differences that you can't see, that part of the conversation is a way to start and just get to where we need to be and having those discussions about disabilities and normalizing them. Because I think without those conversations, that's where we get into, like we were saying before, the staring, the pointing, you know, the different things and the stigma behind being disabled. So start now, start early, start as soon as you can. And if you're old and listening, then it's okay too. Like it's okay to grow and change and learn. And that's how we grow as a person and it's helpful for everyone. Yes, I totally agree. And I I was one of those people who was shy about using the word disabilities. And I'm going to be changing my language too after this. Right, right. I think with me too, just going back from my background before that that wasn't a term that we were encouraged to use in the field. It was always differently abled or special needs. So it's and as soon as you say it that way, I can understand it's not a word to be scared of. It's a word that helps define and unite a community. So see it as yes, a positive. I love that. Define and unite. Yes. So we asked this of everybody. What is your favorite hack to make kids self-sufficient? 
Oh, favorite hack to make kids self-sufficient. Honestly, giving them whatever tools they need in order to do so. And and giving a variety of tools so that way they can figure out their favorite modalities. So for instance, Addie, people might see her and think, Addie can't do much. You know, um, she doesn't have good control of her muscles. She is nonverbal. And so we tried initially sign language. Sign language for Addie did not work very well because she doesn't have the dexterity to do so. She could do simple things like when she was a baby, she'd say eat. But as she got older, it was harder. And so then we did visuals with cue cards and, you know, letting her make choices. Do you like this or this? And we noticed that she was able to make choices, you know, using her eyes. And so we helped with that modality. And then we decided to get her an eye gaze device. And it's a computer screen that is basically a touch screen, but it also has cool sensors on the bottom that catch the pupils of her eyes. And she can look at different things on the monitor and pick and choose what she wants to say. And it reads it out loud. That's amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> technology is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, giving your kids different modalities is really like, you know, you can find that they're a different kind of learner, whether they are disabled or not. You know, same with kids. Some kids learn better with reading, some are better with writing, some are better with speaking aloud. But when you give your child different modalities, I think that's where you find like the independence comes in and more confidence to do what they want. 100 yes. percent emphatically. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Love yes. it. Love it. Well, <laughs> Stephanie, it has been wonderful talking to you. Like so informative and so many things that now I'm going to change uh, in my behavior actually towards my kids and discussing disabilities. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been great. I enjoyed talking with Stephanie and I feel like I learned so much from her because also like on this podcast, I sometimes have trouble with vocabulary and vocabulary I should use and like words that would offend people. I'm very conscious of that and I sometimes get really scared and in my head about that as well. I would say that's not you. That's society Mm -hmm. these days. Like there's so many things going on and many of us are trying to be much more thoughtful, Mm -hmm. much more aware, um, much more concerned about what our words and our actions do. So I agree with that. Like, and that was one big thing about Stephanie. Like, again, from my background, you weren't supposed to say disability, Mm -hmm. differently abled, uh, special needs. It's just a different vocabulary that I was used to using for sure. So hearing her talk about how she wants to take back the term disability and bring it like this culture that everybody is proud to wear and say like that's very amazing and empowering and I love I love her enthusiasm with that yeah and I love her tips too about how to like because as parents you know we talk about this in an interview you don't want your kids to stare because we were taught as kids like it's rude to stare right and it's rude to whisper and so you don't know anything else to tell kids other than like what we were told. And I love her. I mean, it's common sense, but we so don't think of it. Just go up to someone and mention something that you have in common. Like, I like your shirt or like, it's really cool. You have a pink wheelchair. Right, right. Because those are things that we teach our kids anyways. Again, we talked about in the podcast. Like, I feel like when my kids were on the playground and they were little, that's how I taught them to speak to other kids. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, you see that kid over there? You keep staring at him. You want to go play? Tell him at they're playing tag, ask them if you can play tag. Mm -hmm. So just finding that commonality, because there's so many more things that we have in common 
then we have that's different. It's very true. Yeah. But I think we all get in our own heads about not wanting to offend people. And then we end up doing nothing and everybody's awkward. And I feel yeah. like that was going down to a van by the river comment, but it was an inappropriate <laughs> uh, chain of events for that. <laughs> well, and I feel like if you're not sure where to start, again, Authentically Addie, that book makes me so excited because it is very simple. It has a great storyline to follow. And I love the fact, too, that they brought in all different types of disabilities, not only as they apply to people, Mm -hmm. but also applied them to animals. Because again, that's something that kids tend to be able to relate to better. Yeah. So I just thought that was really, really amazing. And then plus, you know, obviously, I got all geeked out by the whole teacher aspect of it, all the things that she thought of writing that book Mm -hmm. to add in there for the extra bang for your buck the oh extra like, education yes. in it counting looking for the secret uh looking for Addie's secret sidekick on every page because when you're a teacher and you have to make lesson plans that are reviewed by administrators you always have to make sure that your choices are aligned with the standards which is like what the state says the kids should be learning so just the fact she puts somebody in there and makes it really easy to use in the classroom and any lesson about like if you want to talk about the science aspect with the different different animals or like the counting like it's very very easy to integrate so I think that was that was ingenious yes yes brilliant Stephanie brilliant well we hope you enjoyed our interview with Stephanie make sure to go get her book authentically Addie and until next time remember the best mom's a happy mom take care of you we'll see you later thanks so much for stopping by It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unstick-